have a cell phone that takes pictures. How many know how to take a selfie? I know some of you do. I see them. All right, take your phone out. Take your phone out. Now, this is the only time I'm going to give you permission to take your phone out during the service. Take your phone out. Take a selfie. Yeah, I know. It's confusing to us old people. A <laughs> phone? <laughs> All right. If you got your selfies, just hold on to them, and we'll use those in a little bit, okay? We'll use those in a little bit, so keep your phones where you can get to them. Now then, let's take our Bibles. All right. Let's get them. Come on, some of you are still busy with your selfies. Come on now. I didn't say take a whole bunch of them. Uh, yeah, get a better one. This is God's word for me today. We're going to be in the book of John this morning. John chapter 4, we're going to be dealing with several scriptures, passages out of that, that chapter. We'll also have a couple other scriptures, but the main text is going to be from John chapter 4 this morning. And um, Harvest time is here name of my message this morning. If, if you're doing any driving out around, the, the farmers have kicked in. They're picking corn. Uh, things are starting to roll. Probably some people's allergies are starting to kick up a little bit with all the, the dust in the air. You're, you're traveling down the road and there's all kinds of tractors on the road and it really frustrates some people. You, you just Some people can't handle it. Uh, maybe they're not from around here. I don't understand. Um, but I, I see a tractor or something like that, and I'm thinking, man, I'm going to give that person what he needs. He's doing his job. You know, he's doing what God has given him to do, and so we got to respect that. And, man, some people, they just they can't handle that. But uh, it's, it's harvest time. And so the, that's the title of my sermon this morning and the message. But I think it's, it's, it's something that we all need to realize the day and the hour that we live in spiritually, uh, it's harvest time. Uh, there are many souls waiting for us to do what God has asked us to do. John chapter 4, verse, beginning verse 27, Just then his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman. But no one said, What do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water, her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life, so that the sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. Lord, 
thank you for your word that's as relevant today as it was 2,000 years ago. Because, Lord, we know the harvest is ripe. And, Lord, we just ask that you would help us to be willing harvesters in your kingdom. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. See, the first thing I see in this is Jesus begins in this. He said, is behold the harvest. This, this part of Scripture <clears throat> comes from uh, a very familiar passage, the woman at the well. We, there's a lot of sermons about that. But in this part of the Scripture, it, it deals more with the harvest than it actually does with, with the woman. You see, they came to this point, and, and earlier in the Scripture it says, Jesus says, I must go through Samaria Though he had a divine appointment with the woman at the well that day. And they didn't, they'd been traveling and, and they hadn't brought food, enough food and, and, and all that. And, and so one of the first things that were on the disciples' mind was, it's 11.30, I'm hungry, right? Is that, is that pastor ever going to wrap it up so I can go eat lunch? You know, come on, we, we're hungry. And, and so they said, Jesus, you need to eat. But Jesus was in the middle of his ministry. Jesus simply said, I, I have food you don't even know of. And they're, you know, the disciples being the humans that they were, they're like, did you bring him a sandwich? No. Did you stop by McDonald's? No. And then Jesus went on to say, the food, the thing that satisfies me, is doing what God has called me to do. The thing that fills me is obeying God's plan. You see, we get, we get so wrapped up in the flesh, and don't get me wrong, I, I get hungry too, obviously. And food is important to keep up our strength, and even Jesus did eat. But in this moment, he, he's teaching us a lesson that, that there are times when, when we need to lay aside the fleshly desires and the things of the flesh to realize there's a bigger and more important thing. That doing the will of God is, is so much more important than, than, than what the flesh needs. You see, uh, what happens too many times is the, is, is the enemy deceives us into putting things off. You get that sense that you need to call somebody and say, well, I'm too busy right now, I will do it later. You think, oh, I need to go visit somebody, and, and well, I will, you know, when I have time. I need to do this good thing, and I will. I will. Maybe I'm just talking about myself this morning. <laughs> but I know me. And, and the enemy oftentimes redirects us in, into avenues that we don't need to be going down to keep us from doing what God is asking us to do. So too often we fall for that. And Jesus was saying, listen, my food, the thing that's going to fulfill me, the thing that's going to strengthen me, the thing that's going to nourish me is to simply do God's will, is to follow the plan that God has. For me. And so as we think about it, you think about the harvest. 
And if, say, the farmer decides, you know, I'm just not going to pick that crop. I'm just going to, ah, I'll get to it someday. There's a window there. There's a time period there. There's a time when, you know, he doesn't have to do it today, but there's a time. And after that time, he's probably going to lose, begin to lose that crop. And eventually it will all be wasted. So what Jesus is, is, is teaching here is that there's a time for the harvest. When the time is right, we need to do what we know we need to do as Christians. You see, Christ spent his whole life consumed with the harvest. Remember when he was a 12-year-old boy and he scared his parents to death because he didn't travel with them when they left? They were a couple of days away and they finally realized Jesus wasn't with them. And they got nervous and they went back to Jerusalem and where'd they find Jesus? He was sitting in the temple. Many times we, like, we, we, we have heard that he was teaching, but he really wasn't teaching. He was, he was there and he was, he was talking with the, 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 the people. He was, he was learning. He was growing. And they said, why did you do this to us? And he said, don't you know that I must be about my father's business? So even as a 12-year-old, what was the most important thing? Being about the father's business, which was bringing him to the harvest of souls. And, 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 and I'm not for a minute trying to, to, to make anybody thinking here that, that we should all have this big compound and all we should ever do is, is sing and preach and teach and, and live and, and talk to each other. we got to live life, right? I'm going to go to work tomorrow morning. And most of you are going to go to work or you're going to do something tomorrow that, that's in your regular routine. And that's, that's okay, but God wants to plant you there and use you wherever you go to be part of the harvest. You see... We too often think if I just had this one more thing, I'd be happy. If I could just get a, another raise, I, I would be happy. If I could just get this, I would be happy. And, and all those things, do they make a difference in your life? Yeah, they do. But we're never fully going to have the joy that we need. You know, like Pastor Jared said this morning, the joy of the Lord is our strength. It, we're never going to fully have that strength until we allow the joy of the Lord to fill us. And many times, you, we, you've heard missionaries talk about some of these places they go and, and some of these countries where, where they have a church service and, and not only is their little dirt floored building packed to capacity, but they got people standing all over the place. They got, they got people that walk for miles and miles to come to their meeting. Why? Because it's a joy of the Lord. They come, they don't have anything. They don't have possessions. They don't have food. But what they do have is they come and they hear about Jesus. And there's a joy that comes with that. There's a joy that, that the things of this life and the things of this world cannot bring. Think about yourself. When one of your children is hurting, what's, your, what's the most important thing to you? Is it, oh, wait a minute, hon, it's lunchtime. Um, I'll get back to that broken leg here in a little bit. I'm all feet. No. When, when your child is hurting and when your child has a need, what mothers, I, I saw my mom do it time and time again. She would take the scrimpiest, littlest piece of meat that you could, there probably wasn't even any meat, but yet she made sure her six kids had food before she ever worried about whether or not she was going to get to eat. 
How much more? How much more is that on God's heart? How much more is God looking out in this world and he's seen so many people that, that he loves that haven't come to the saving knowledge of his son Jesus? Nothing as we think about what's important in life should be more important than seeing souls come to know Christ. Nothing should be more important to us than seeing, first of all, if we're parents, we, see, we want to see our kids know Jesus, and we want to do everything that we can. I was talking to Carter and Maddie in Sunday school this morning and, and talking about the things that their parents do, they do not because they don't want them to have any fun, but because they love them enough to protect them. And how much more is our God wanting to bring His creation into salvation? He wants to bring each one. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3 and 4 says this, This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. 2 Peter 3.9, The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promises, as some count slowness, but is patient, thank God He's patient towards you and me. Not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. You see, it's His heart is that none perish. We don't serve this mean God who's just waiting for us to make a mistake so He can cast us into hell or so he can smack us over the hands. You know, I've, I've, I've heard of some, some people my age that, that grew up in, in Catholic education and, and they talked about how the nuns, man, they would come up and whack them on the hands. And so, I don't know that that really happened. They talk like it, like it did. But that's not the God we serve. He's not waiting to smack us around. If he was, there wouldn't one of us that'd be here this morning. But what he's waiting on and what he's wanting is for us to surrender to him and recognize our need for him because his arms are outstretched. And he's waiting and wanting us to come. But not only you and me, not only the ones who have chosen to come to church this morning, is that his desire for? The scripture says he doesn't want one person to perish. Not even that person that is the meanest person you can think of. He don't even want them to perish. And so if anyone perishes, it's their choice. His desire is that they all come to know him. The Lord sends the harvest. Has anybody ever had somebody sent to them? And then you look at it hindsight and you think, ooh, I blew that one. God placed me in the right place at the right time and I didn't do my part. I could imagine that probably if we were honest, every one of us would stand up and say, ooh, that's me, and probably more than once. <laughs> we have to understand that the Lord sends the harvest. Jesus here, uh, he, was, he was on this journey. He had to go through Samaria. He, he knew God had a plan. And, and he, he, Jesus, as he sat there that day and he was tired, this woman comes out to get water. 
the Lord sends us many times where we need to be, or He sends people along our path that He wants us to minister to. And, and, and we have to be willing to do what He is calling us to do. You see, sometimes we have a lot of different reasons about why we may or may not fulfill that plan. Here we see Jesus and this woman comes out and one, she was a woman. He shouldn't have talked to her. Two, she was a Samaritan woman. He shouldn't have talked to her. Three, she was a sinner Samaritan woman. He shouldn't have talked to her. None of that mattered because Jesus had a purpose and had a plan. He knew he had to intersect with this woman's life for her sake and the sake of many others. You see, you don't know and I don't know the change that could take place if we just simply do our part. There's no guarantees. There's no promises. What there is is God saying, if you will do your part, I will do my part. You see, every day people come across our path that need to find Christ. Philip, the Lord told him to go to a certain place. And when he went there, he sees this caravan. And he sees this, all of, he walks up to this caravan and there's a eunuch uh, from some big shot from, uh, you know, some queen. And he walks up and, and he says, what you doing? Well, I'm reading, I'm reading this book and I don't understand. He said, I just need somebody to explain it to me. Philip says, I'll help you out. And he began to explain to him the scripture was about Jesus Christ and about the sacrifice that Jesus Christ was, had made. And the unit got saved and he says, come on, let's go get baptized. You never know what takes place as we, as we step out in faith and we do what God is asking us to do. Jesus on one day was walking down the street and he happened to come across another person that needed to know him. This guy was a hated tax collector. How many have got... No, we won't talk about taxes. This man was not only a tax collector, but he was a cheater. He cheated his own people out of money. So nobody else liked him but the tax, other tax collectors. And yet, Jesus stopped what he was doing. And he said, you, I'm coming over to your place. And by the time Jesus was done confronting Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus was a changed man. Not only was he changed, but he restored back that that he had stolen. And what do you think all those other tax collectors thought? What do you think the people around him thought, what an impression that had to make. What an impression it makes when people change their lives so dramatically and, and when they give their life to Christ and they begin to live a new life. The harvest is ready. We each have a calling. We each have a place. We each have a, a, a reason to be where we're at in each moment of life and God will bring people into our lives that we can influence. We can touch their lives in a way that no one else can.
we look sometimes at how somebody dresses, what, what they look like, what they drive, and, and we make judgments based on that about what everything, and including the gospel. What we need to understand is, is the scripture I read a couple minutes ago, God doesn't want anybody to perish. doesn't matter their social, economic status. They might be the wealthiest people or they might be the poorest. It doesn't matter. God wants them all to be saved. Sometimes we tell ourselves, well, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to talk to people about Jesus. I, you know, I, I, I don't know enough Scripture. And I, there, there's a million different reasons we could give. But if you will listen to the Holy Spirit, he, the Bible teaches us that He will give us words to say. We don't have to be a Bible scholar to tell people what Jesus has done in our life. We don't have to, have to know a ton of scriptures to say, you know what? I was a sinner. My life was a mess. But Jesus forgave me of my sins. He gave me joy. He gave me peace. You don't have to be a great theologian to tell somebody what Jesus has done in your life. We need to learn to rely on Him. You know, kind of like what I believe the Holy Spirit was leading us in this morning. That we can rely on Him. We can realize, I can't do it in my own. My strength and my wisdom is not enough, but I can rely on Him and I can say, Lord, I am weak. And in my weakness... Give me your perfect strength. God knows when, when we see people, we don't know what they're going through. We might know some of their circumstance, but we don't know what's on the inside. God does. And God can give us the words to say. God can give us how we can share with them about His love and His mercy. Many times it's a matter of spending time with Him asking Him to show us today. Maybe you start your day off with prayer. Say, Lord, show me today what I can do to help someone. Or maybe you end your evening in prayer and say, Lord, show me tomorrow the people that you're going to put into my life that I can minister to them in some way. You see, we have access to something the world doesn't have access to. Jesus told the woman of the well, he told her about living water. He's talked to her, he said, you know, you drink this water, you're going to thirst again. But the water that I have for you is a living water. A water that continually springs up uh, and continually is fresh and continually is new and continually is, is refreshing. That's the kind of water that, that we need to have and that we need to share with the world. You see, this woman was so excited that Jesus, you see, Jesus, Jesus didn't just say, woman, you are just a perfect woman. You are awesome and great and you're just good. Jesus ministered to her in her sinfulness. And when Jesus spoke to her out of love, it was something that had never happened to her before. She had never had anybody that cared about her enough to minister to her in this way. And by the time Jesus was done with her, she was changed.
she was transformed so much that she wanted everybody else to have what she had. And so she went home, and she began to tell everybody, hey, you got to come see this guy. This guy knows, knew everything about me, and he still ministered to me. He still cared about me. John chapter 4, verse 39 says this, Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. Never underestimate the power of your testimony. What God has done for you is powerful and important. I think some things that are important for us to understand in this harvest time that we're in is personal evangelism. What I can say and what I can do to, to bring someone else to Christ. I think corporate worship is important. I think we draw strength from each other. I need my brothers to pray for me. I need, I need people that surround me, and, and, and you do too, whether you think you do or not. Let me tell you, we need each other. We need to worship together. We need to come together. We need to be able to tell one another we need prayer. I believe that teaching and preaching are important. Why not because I'm the preacher? Believe me, I sat, I've sat in my 56 years, I've sat and listened to a whole lot more sermons than I've ever preached. And for the most part, a lot better ones than I've ever preached. And I still believe that I need to be taught and trained. I believe that we, we need to come together and we need to hear sound teaching and we need to hear sound preaching. And we need to do that together so we can grow together. I think it's important because we need each other. And when somebody gets saved, we can't, just, we can't just say, oh, praise God, you're saved. You know, go, go get them. When somebody gets saved, we need to encourage them in the Scripture. Encourage them in prayer. Encourage them in worship together. Show them that we, we can worship together, we can, we can love one another, and, and we can grow together. So personal evangelism, corporate worship, teaching and preaching, I believe are all important for a new convert. I want to, I got a couple of pictures. First of all, Nick, we're going to do the green one. Everybody know what that is? Combine. Everybody know what this is? Okay, go to the red one. What? Okay, and what we got there? Corn. Okay, everybody take your phones out with your selfie picture and look at it. Everybody look at it. Okay, now what you're seeing in that picture you're looking at right now is right up here on the board. How did I know I got every one of your pictures up here? See how good I am? You're either that one or you're the green one, whichever one you want to be. Now give me that other picture with that crowd. Oh, that didn't come out very good. That's a lot of people. You put your picture 
like that green machine or that red machine was and put all the people right there. Now do we have some other pictures of individuals? Did he get any of those other pictures on there? Okay. What am I saying this morning? I'm saying we're the combines. We're the harvesters. Here's the crop. Got people all around us. Now, this is not, you probably mistake this for the city of Warsaw. This isn't Warsaw. Okay? I know, I know it's confusing. <laughs> yeah, quite a few. But picture in your mind, if you would, everybody that you know and place them in that picture right there. And then place your picture right beside it. And there you are. You're ready. The crop is ready. The harvest is ready. You're the harvester. Not because I chose you to be that, but because when you said, yes, Lord, I will follow you, you then became a harvester. Jesus said some are going to plant, and some are going to water, and some are going to harvest. So this morning, I want you to begin to think about the place God has put you. John 4, 36-38 says, Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may rejoice together. One's not better than the other. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. Wherever you go, whatever you do, Christ has sent you into the harvest field. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 6-8, Paul says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. This morning, whatever part it is that God has put you into play, do it well. Maybe somebody will come along to you and say, well, you know, I heard this message the other day, or I read this in the Scripture the other day. Can you help me? I don't understand it. Can I tell you? There's a lot of things I don't understand. There's a lot of things I don't expect. God doesn't expect us to understand everything. But the thing is when we need to learn. And when somebody comes to you, give them what you do know. Give them what you do know. Help them in what ways you can. Because I need to... I want us to understand this, something this morning. God is serious about the harvest that is ready. This isn't a game. I, 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 love, I love going to church. I do. I do. I, I'll just be honest. I love going to church. I enjoy. We went to a gospel concert the other night. I loved it. I love hearing gospel music. I love singing gospel music. I love, I, I turned the music on this morning, and, I, and normally I, I turn other things on, but I, I turned on the, our, some altar time music when I was in here praying, and, just, and it just seemed like the right music was on. I love all of that, but all that hasn't saved me. I want, I want to focus on 
what God has for me and realize that God is serious about the harvest that is in front of me. And, and today might be the day for somebody. Today might be the only window of opportunity you have for this person. You say, well, pastor, how can that be? I don't understand it all either, but I know, I know, I know that there's an opportunity. And when God lays it before us, we need to take it. God is serious about the harvest that is ready. He is urging people everywhere to get their lives ready so that they can do their part in the harvest. As Christians, what's that mean, pastor? You, you may be saved and going to heaven, and, that, and, and, and that's great, but there are times, believe it or not, that the Lord will come along and say, okay, now we're going to work on this area of your life. And you think, I thought I was good. You were good, but we, now we're going to work on this part. Because there's a reason. Just like I shared about parents and their kids. There's a reason why parents do what they do. And it's not because they don't like their kids. It's because they, it's because they want the very best. They don't just want it to be good. I don't want my kids' lives to just be good. I want the very best God has for them. And that's what God wants for us. And if He can do, if he, we will let Him do that for us, it's going to impact how we reach others. Because remember, it's not just about you and me. It's about the fact that God doesn't want anyone to perish. He wants us all to get actively involved in the harvest. You see, I believe that the Lord is preparing hearts. I believe that the Lord is working on somebody near you, around you. And you never know when you are the, going to be the one. Maybe ten other people have walked up to them and shared. Maybe ten other people have told them that Jesus loved them. Maybe it's going to be number 11. And guess what your number is? 11. Are you ready? Are you ready? I'll leave you with this last statement. If this was so important to Jesus that He died for it, how important should it be to you and I? Bow your heads with me this morning. Lord, this morning we have come in our day and our age where we realize that the harvest is ripe. Lord, your desire is that we, we do our part, that we rev our engines, that we, we head out into the fields and we take whatever needs taken down. Lord, help us as we go to listen for your voice. Help us, Lord, to see people the way you see them. Help us and send us to those, Lord, who are, are ready for the gospel. Help us, Lord, to not miss opportunities in our life. Lord, give us wisdom and direction. Give us boldness. Give us confidence, not in us, not in our ability, but in the God that we serve. Lord, we know we're living in the last days. We know that one of these days you're coming back. And Lord, we don't, we don't just want us to go. It's not about this church. Lord, we want to bring as many people along as we can from every, every corner of this city, 
this county, this state, around the world. We want to bring as many as we can. God, help us to be effective harvesters for you. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed this morning. If you're here today and you would, you would say, Pastor, I, first thing I need to do is, is I need to ask Jesus into my life. Maybe you haven't done that yet. Maybe you haven't asked Him to forgive you of your sins. I want you to know this morning that He is here to minister to you first. Because before He can do anything, anything else, He wants to minister to you. So I would just ask if there's any here this morning that would say, Pastor, I want to I want to ask Jesus to forgive me of my sins today. With, your head, with heads bowed and eyes closed, I just want you to raise your hand. I want to pray with you today. The Bible teaches us that if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Would there be one that would say, Pastor, that's me. I want to meet Jesus today. I want to know Him as my Savior today. The other thing I want you to think about this morning is the Holy Spirit stirs our hearts. Am I ready to do the harvesting that the Lord wants me to do? Am I ready to go and do that work? Maybe this morning... You need a little tune-up. Maybe you need an oil change. Maybe you need gassed up this morning. Maybe you just don't quite think you're ready to go out into that field, but you want to be today. You want to be. God knows what you need, and God is more than able to give that to you this morning so that you can do the work He's called you to do. I'm just going to ask you this morning as you, we spend these last moments, settle that with God this morning. Whatever it is that you need to make yourself ready, just ask God for it today. Maybe it's desire. Huh, maybe you don't even want to. Say, God, give me that desire. Maybe you're tired this morning. Say, I, I'm just too tired to even think about Ask God to give you that strength this morning. Lord, this morning as we close in these final moments and as we're making decisions today, as we're responding to you today, Lord, I ask that you would help us to see the importance of the harvest in front of us, whether it be family members, neighbors, or strangers around the world. God, help us to see the importance of the harvest, that your desire is that not one perish. And God, may that be our desire as well. And Lord, help us in whatever, whatever we need this morning from you that will help us to enter into this harvest. God, I pray that you would pour it out today. Just like the woman at the well didn't need the physical water, she needed the living water. God, pour that living water out upon us today that we would be full to overflowing Lord God, this week, this week, Lord, help us open our eyes to opportunities. Open our eyes to opportunities 
and then open our hearts that we would do what you've asked us to do. Lord, I thank you for the privilege that we have to serve you. Go with us today in strength and in power in Jesus' name.